वसुदेवसुतम देव कंसचाणुरमर्दनम देवकनंदम कृष्ण वंदे जगद्गु Today is actually the birthday of Swami Subodhananda ji which explains the picture there um so it's our custom to observe the birthdays of Sri Ramakrishna's monastic disciples there were 16 disciples of uh, monastic disciples whom we call the direct disciples um so their birthdays are observed Swami Subodhananda ji was one of them he was the youngest of the lot so he was called koka which means a little boy in bengali <laughs> and he was boyish there actually exists a video of him which is very rare in those days there is in youtube if you go to search for swami shivananda and swami subodhananda in one video just about maybe 10 seconds and they both walking together followed by a lot of people uh, i think it was um a group of american devotees who had traveled from here to calcutta in those days in the 1920s late 20s and they had taken a, a, a movie camera there and they had taken that picture that video of um, film of about 10 seconds or so It's silent and uh, everybody is moving around rather jerkily but the picture is quite clear and subodhanji looks very uh, he is uh, clearly very old but he looks like a little boy the way he's moving around and grinning and bef- beside him uh, shivananji looks positively mountainous he is tall towering and he's sort sort of radiating like a mountain of light you can see if you remember if has anybody seen that picture video you have seen the video yes you should see it Uh, it's uh, on youtube go and look for uh, swami shivananda swami subodhananda belur math uh, many many stories about his childishness childlike childish and childlike are different childish is not good childlike is good so he was fond of tea once swami vivekananda was very happy with him and said ask for anything a boon you know a boon if somebody like swami vivekananda says that and that means you will get it whatever you ask for and subodhananda ji thought for a while and he said all right then bless me that i may never be deprived of my daily cup of tea <laughs> and he never was and people asked him later in later life he said in the as in strangest circumstances in mountains and forests nothing around but i did get tea somebody or the other would come <laughs> with a cup of tea for me <laughs> once the british they started a steamer service this was in the days of the british empire in calcutta a steamer service which went up and down the river the ganga the main monastery where subodhananda lived was in belur on on the ganga and you could buy a season pass for the steamer so somebody bought him the pass and like a little kid he was so delighted he would get on the first boat and then all day long from morning to <laughs> evening he would sail up and down the river only getting down at the monastery during tea time <laughs> for a cup of tea and then he would quickly run to the boat and sail up and down and this went on for some time yeah he is incredibly 
elevated spiritual soul. Once Swami, I've said this earlier also, Swami Shraddhanandaji, who was here in Sacramento. Some of you might have seen it way before my time. You have seen him? You have seen him? Yes. Swami Shraddhanandaji. So this story comes from him. When Swami Shraddhananda was a young monk in Belurmat, Swami Subodhananda was alive at that time. And Swami Subodhananda had the habit of sitting on the veranda near Swami Vivekananda's room. Those who have been to Belurmat, you'll remember. There's a veranda facing the Ganga. So he would sit there and read um, the Adhyatma Ramayana sometimes. So one day, Swami um, Shraddhananda saw Swami Subodhananda, Koka Maharaj, sitting there and reading something and looking up and laughing and then going back and reading it again looking up and bursting out laughing so he was intrigued and then he went up and asked bowed down to the Swami and asked him what is it that you're reading what are you seeing and why are you laughing and then he said look I read here a Vedanta book what does it tell you Brahman is real the world is false the world is an appearance when I see, when I read, the world is an appearance, I look up and see. What you can see from there is the river and the city of Calcutta opposite, on the op opposite bank. Even now you can see that. So I just see mountains of ashes. Just ashes. Nothing. And I burst out laughing. And I look back and the book says, Brahma Satyam, Brahman is real. And I look up and I see it is all Sri Ramakrishna. <laughs> the same thing. The same reality. In one sense, it's the illusory snake. In other sense, it's the rope. It's the gold, it's the ornament. It's the water, it's the wave. In that sense. By itself, it is empty. All this I'm explaining. He didn't explain anything. He says, I see up and I see Sri Ramakrishna everywhere. And I burst out laughing. Hmm. Uh, many interesting stories about him. Yeah, the ashram where I joined the order, Deoghar Vidyapit, it's a school. And at the very beginning, it started in 1922. In fact, last year they celebrated 100 years. So in the first batch of kids, very small batch of students, 1922 onwards. So when the school had just barely gotten off the ground there, one day they suddenly saw at the gate a rickshaw pull up and Swami Subhudananda get down from the rickshaw. Nobody knew he was coming. It's a big deal for a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna to come and visit. He came in and they, all the monks were called. They rushed up to him, you can imagine. And then he said, call this boy. There's such and such boy. He gave a description. And they did find such a boy, a schoolboy, in the hostel. They called him. He said, I'm here to initiate you. And he gave him mantra diksha, initiation. And then he got on the rickshaw and went away again. <laughs> and the story was, he later explained, he was in some nearby town. And he was taking his uh, uh, customary afternoon siesta. And he had a vision of Sri Ramakrishna telling him, get up, pushing him, get up, go there, go to that, that, that ashram. And in there you will find such and such boy. He's my devotee, initiate him. Of course the boy knew nothing about it. <laughs> and Subhadranji ignored it. He thought it was just a dream. Went back to sleep. Three times it happened. He felt Sri Ramakrishna pushing him, get up, go. And then he did that. So many interesting stories. <laughs> All right. In the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, where we are, this is the called the Vishwarupa Darshana, the vision of the cosmic form. This chapter is different from all the others. All the others, except the first one. First one is where the stage is set. Arjuna's problems, his depression. It's literally called Depression Yoga. 
Vishada Yoga, the yoga of depression, which is important because you must be depressed about the, the world and its condition, its prospects. Then only you look for something beyond this world. Now, after that, the rest of the book, Bhagavad Gita, 18 chapters, from chapter 2 onwards till the end, is teaching. Arjuna asks questions and Krishna replies and teaches him Vedanta. Except the 11th chapter. The bulk of the 11th chapter is actually a description of a mystic experience, an awesome mystic experience. Arjuna wanted to know, wanted to see. He said, I believe that you are God. I believe what you are saying, that you are an incarnation of God, I believe you. But I want to see, because what I'm seeing, actually seeing, is this person whom I've always known, all from my childhood I've known you. Is my chauffeur, chariot driver. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing. I believe you, but I want to see. And then Krishna gives him this stunning vision. One of the rarest sequences in world poetry. Where they have tried their best to impress upon us, the reader. What would it be like to actually have, have this vision of God? It's a vision. It's not literally seeing with eyes, by the way. Because nobody else sees it. Only Arjuna sees it. And Krishna says, I'm going to give you the Divya Chakshu, the divine vision. Divya, divine eyes by which you will see. You can't see it with these eyes. But still, what is it like to have that kind of an experience? That is put in stirring poetry. I mentioned how Oppenheimer seeing the first atom bomb explosion, he recited from here, I come time, I am become time, the destroyer of worlds. Also that description of it's like a thousand suns rising simultaneously in the sky. The radiance, imagine the radiance of one sun. Imagine the radiance of two or a ten suns or a hundred, a thousand suns. Yet it's a benign radiance. It doesn't burn you up in a trice. So that description is going on. Arjuna asked for it, but the result was he was terrified. He was terrified. And that often happens. If a genuine mystical experience, it's what Americans would call mind-blowing. <laughs> so he was terrified. And the description is mostly what he saw his reactions, then he speaks to this cosmic being. And then this cosmic being, Vishwarupa, the cosmic being of God, uh, tells Arjuna that whatever has to be done in life has already been done. Last time we saw this, uh, the 33rd verse. Last time we were on the 33rd verse. What uh, he says, All these enemies of yours have been vanquished by, by me from the beginning itself. What you do does not matter one bit. That can be <laughs> disappointing. That there's a divine purpose to this universe and it will be accomplished. We, whether, if, we, if we cooperate with it, you're blessed. If we do not cooperate with it, we will suffer. But the destiny of the universe, none can stop it. So the, the Lord says you, surrender to, to me. Be a nimitta matram bhava. Be, the, be an instrument in the hands of the divine. Surrender to the divine. Let the divine work through you. Last time we discussed, we had a little discussion about free will. How there is really no free will. How um, there seems to be free will. And what do you do then? And uh, Krishna is very clear. Get up and do what is in front of you. Not because uh, it's your will, it is my will. But because you will, get, you will benefit, you will, you will, the divine will work through you and your benefit will be your spiritual growth and freedom ultimately.
So the real benefit is the spiritual benefit. Not a monetary benefit, not even the kingdom which he expects. All of that will come. He will get the kingdom too. But that will also go away one day. Nothing here, no benefit here, no gain here is permanent. No loss here is permanent either. The real gain is our spiritual gain. That is 33rd verse. Now 34. Who is speaking? Krishna is speaking. The Vishwarup, the cosmic, cosmic being is speaking to Arjuna. Who is trembling in his boots or sandals, whatever. Number 34. Dronam cha bhishmam cha jayadratam cha Dronam cha bhishmam cha jayadratam cha Karnam tathanyan api yodhaviran Karnam tathanyan api yodhaviran Maya hatan stvang jahima vyatishtha Maya hatan stvang jahima vyatishtha Yudhyasva jeta sirane sapatnan Yudhyasva jeta sirane sapatnan Kildrona, Bhishma, Jayadratha, Karna as also other great warriors who are already killed by me. Be not distressed. Fight. You will conquer your enemies in battle. The commentator, I am using Sridhar Swami's commentary here. He says, this is actually an answer to one of the questions which Arjuna had asked at the beginning of the Gita, in the first and the second chapters. The commentator says, Nachaitad vidma kataran no gari ityadi ya shanka saapi na karyet ityaha. Saapi na karya ityaha. The doubts which you had long back, second chapter, first chapter, you may have forgotten. People ask long questions and they forget. But Krishna did, does, has not forgotten. He is now giving that answer through that cosmic being. You had asked me, I don't understand what is good for me here. Should I fight this battle? Or should I not? If I fight this battle, I am going to fight against people who are dear to me. My own cousins. And more so, my teachers. The, the, the revered grandsire Bhishma. My teachers, Dronacharya, Kripacharya and others. It doesn't seem right. And yet... We know we are on the, on the side of dharma, on the side of right, righteousness. And these are unrighteous and our duty is to fight, against for, fight for dharma against unrighteousness. So, but I, then I don't know what to do. So this is what you had asked, this doubt. Well, that doubt should not come to you because he says, he's very clear. Go ahead and fight this battle and do your duty. In any case, it's been done by me. Having said this, now, remember, this whole thing is a narrative. Sanjay is narrating what's going on in the battlefield of Mahabharata to the blind king, Dhritarashtra. So now the scene shifts back. It's all, you know, from the studio to the live telecast. And there's, <laughs> there's a reporter on the field. Uh, and there is this Sanjay who is in the uh, broadcast studio. So now Sanjay Vacha, number 35. Sanjay Vacha, Sanjay Vacha. Etachutva vachanam keshavasya. Etachutva vachanam keshavasya. Kritanjali vepamana kiriti. Kritanjali vepamana kiriti. Namaskritva bhuya evaha krishnam. Namaskritva bhuya evaha krishnam. Sagadgadam bhita bhita pranamya 
Sagadgadam bhita bhita pranamya. Sanjay said, Hearing these words of Keshava or Krishna, the trembling Arjuna saluted with folded palms and said again to Krishna in faltering accents, bowing down and in great fear. This is the response to the to the presence of God, our initial response. If you are faced with divinity, can you all, all hear me in the back also? Yes. So if you are faced with this divinity, our response, this is very natural. We Our first response is we are overcome with awe. Not a theory anymore, but a tremendous presence. The most extraordinary experience, most intense experience by far in our lives. And our reaction will be folded hands, falling flat on the ground, bowing down, and his voice trembling. He says, the, the commentator says, Bhaya harshadya veshad. It's not just fear, it's elation because it's an extraordinary thing. By seeing that, life is fulfilled. I realize that nothing ever again in life will match this. This is the greatest thing ever. My life is fulfilled. I'm seeing this, although I'm terrified. So, fear and elation, overcome by both. Gadgade na kantha kampane na sa, with trembling voice, choked up. Arjuna speaks. One of our Swami, Swami Yatishwarananda, he was the vice president of our order. So, in a book, he has given, see, how we experience God. So, he draws the stick figures. One is the stick figure with a big question mark. Does God exist? I don't know. It's sort of cool not to believe in God and things like that. You know? That's the initial stage. Most people are agnostic. Then the next stage comes if we are lucky. If we are lucky, we go to that stage when we actually, God is a real presence in our life. So he draws that stick figure of a man and there's a big circle in the sky above him. So God is a reality. There's no doubt that God exists. Then the third figure he draws is a little stick figure of the man is enclosed in that big circle. Now he's immersed in God. It's not a separate presence anymore. Everywhere. Arjuna got a bit of that. Arjuna's um, experience is the second one that he is seeing, he's feeling the presence of God, but has something separate from it, encompassing everything. But then he will say that I feel you everywhere above me, below me, in front of me, on my sides, behind me. I'm surrounded by that divinity. An all-encompassing divinity. So that's the third stage where you feel engulfed by that divinity. Arjuna says, you are a mass of light everywhere. And then the last one, Swami Yatishwanta draws, the stick figure has disappeared into an outline and it's only that which remains. So that's an Advaitic, non-dual experience of one reality. So there's a second one is a dualistic experience. First one is agnostic. I don't know. I may believe, but it's not a reality for me. Second one is, it's a reality for me. The blessed ones will feel the presence of God. But it's a dualistic reality. I and God are separate, but God is real. This, the third one is, I and God are not separate. I'm immersed in God. I'm a part of the, of the divinity. And the fourth one is only the divinity. Not me anymore. And remember, this is from the, all of it, all four are from a devotional perspective, not from a perspective of knowledge of I am Brahman, nothing like that. It's just being more and more overwhelmed by God and your own personality becoming less and less. 
until it fades away into so it's you are not becoming less you are basically becoming the infinite it's like a drop of water they say falling into the ocean so arjuna bows down his hands folded that is the natural reaction then what does he say bowing down with hands folded what does he say to that divinity 36 onwards 11 verses will go on like this अर्जुन उवाच अर्जुन उवाच स्थाने ऋषिकेश तव प्रकीर्त्या स्थाने ऋषिकेश तव प्रकीर्त्या जगत्प्रहृष्यनुरज्यते जगत्प्रहृष्यनुरज्यते रक्षाशिभीता दिशो द्रवती रक्षासी भीता दिशो द्रवती सर्वे नमस्ते इट इज प्रॉपर ओ ऋषिकेश कृष्ण दट बाय योर ग्लोरिफिकेशन द वर्ल्ड गेट्स डिलाइटेड एंड अट्रैक्टेड टूवर्ड्स यू द डीमस गेट फ्राइटेंड एंड रन इन ऑल डिरेक्शन एंड द होस्ट ऑफ परफेक्टेड बीइंग्स बाउ डाउन टू यू the whole world is delighted by when we are immersed in god when we are in the presence of god when we praise god you are delighted when you praise god out of all reverence and delight you praise god but that praising of god delights the world around you and evil is dispelled by this radiance in your life and everywhere else and the perfected beings that means the enlightened ones they're all bowing down to you this is what he's he's saying it is not that it should be like this he's saying this is what's going on all the time right now also it's going on divinity the moment we recognize the divinity you will feel sublime purified uplifted wherever you are whichever religion you belong to whatever the moment of your transcendence you will feel it that way and you will feel that radiance actually is there in this universe and delights everyone every everywhere evil is dispelled by that and there are those saints those enlightened beings who are continuously bowing down who are in that this what arjuna experiences just now the enlightened ones experience all the time and their minds don't get blown by it <laughs> so they they are all all the time uh, tuned to that divinity so they are always in that state of reverence and continuous prayer automatically that's their natural state it's a very high elevated state siddha sangaha the hosts of divine beings and there are these pesky little demons who run helter skelter they they can't stand the radiance and all other living beings are exalted by the presence of this divinity he says prakritya that means the commentator says mahatmya sankirtanena by the praising of the glory of god when we turn away it's an interesting thing when we turn away from the world and face god we like to think about god not the world we like to praise god not the world we like to see god not the world we meditate on god we chant for god we meditate on the form of god we worship god ritualistically mentally uh, we serve god in all beings we read about the the and this is devotion bhakti so the leela the divine play of krishna and other avatars and so on we sing and dance in the name of god this turning away from the world and turning towards god 
this delights the world. One sadhu pointed it out, Ramsukdas ji. He pointed it out. If you turn away from the world and you face God, this delights the world. And if you turn towards the world and engage in the world, you will immediately run into friction with the world. You will be competing for what worldly people want. Pleasure, money, resources. You are running the same rat race. Immediately you will be recognized as a rat. <laughs> we have a rat problem in New York here. But the moment you turn away from the world, the world is happy with you. That's how, how interesting it is. Eventually. If it's sincerely you turn away from the world towards God, the world is happy with you. I remember this monk who was a great teacher in uh, the 50s, 60s. One of his letters he writes. He was in Banaras. He writes in Hindi. But I'll tell you what he writes. Somebody had written to him, a devotee. That Swami, I hope you are, I mean we are your disciples, you are our guru. Uh, I hope and pray you are thinking of us. And that Swami wrote back harshly. He says, religion is destroyed by the gurus who think of their disciples. What kind of guru do you want? Do you want a guru who thinks of God or of you? <laughs> it is the duty of God to think of us. It is our duty to think of God. Yes, the incarnation of God, Krishna, Rama, Ramakrishna, they will think about us. But our duty is to think about them, not about the world. See, the world is happy when you think about God. If you do not think about God, especially if you are a spiritual seeker, praising God, and it is um, the hosts, the, the commentator here says, the hosts of perfected beings are always bowing down, always tuned to God. Very beautiful commentary has given. Yoga tapo mantradi siddhanam sangaha namasyanti pranamantiti the hosts of the Siddhas. Siddhas are spiritually perfect beings. How did they become spiritually perfect? By yoga, various kinds of spiritual pursuits. Tapa, by austerity, by mantra, repeating a mantra. So in various ways, all these beings have become perfected and now what do they do? They perpetually stand and praise the Lord. <laughs> kind of boring? <laughs> no, it isn't. It isn't. Imagine the most fulfilled that we have been ever in life. Whether in the worldly sense or the spiritual sense. And imagine being that without limit. Forever. So, not, not by our own grace or capacity. By the presence of the Lord. By the presence of God. So, um, I'm reminded of Swami Abhedanandaji. Uh, he, Kali Prasad, he was a young boy who wanted to learn yoga. And somebody told him, why don't you go to the Dakshineshwar, the, the Paramahamsa of Dakshineshwar. He has attained Samadhi, the highest state of yoga. He can teach you maybe. And so he turned up Sri Ramakrishna and became a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. And Sri Ramakrishna actually taught him. And uh, Kali would go back to his house and meditate. Young teenage boy, but very, uh, very spiritually advanced. And it's special for us because he was here for 20 years in the Vedanta Society of New York for more than 20 years. So, um, now, when he would have some extraordinary mystical experiences, he would come. Sri Ramakrishna would ask, uh, what did you see? What was your meditation like? And he would narrate it to Sri Ramakrishna. And Sri Ramakrishna would give him further instructions. One day, he comes to Sri Ramakrishna and says, I had this uh, extraordinary samadhi, which I have never had earlier. And I got a vision of hosts of perfected beings, sages, 
and also various forms of gods and goddesses which are worshipped in Hinduism, Buddhism also, in Mahayana Buddhism. They're all standing around a central, like, like a luminous uh, being and they're praising with hands, hands uh, folded. And that central, that luminous being was you, he told Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna was very pleased. He was not taken aback. He was very pleased and he said, uh, you have attained the darshan of Vaikuntha. This is Vaikuntha darshana. Vaikuntha is the abode of Vishnu. So Vishnu is surrounded by all uh, perfected beings. And then he said, you will not have visions with form anymore. And that means you have gone to the realm of the non-dual. This is the, your final vision with, with form. So that reminded me when uh, the commentator is saying Yoga Tapo Mantradi Siddhanam Sangad The hosts of beings perfected by yoga, by tapasya, by austerity, by mantra They all stand around the Lord in the presence of the Lord And are full of bliss and praise Number 37 This is uh, Arjuna is saying this Kasmachatena nameran mahatman Kasmachatena nameran mahatman Gariyase brahmano apyadikatre Gariyase brahmano apyadikatre Ananta devesha jagannivasa Ananta devesha jagannivasa Tvamaksharam sadasad param yat tvamaksharam sadasat param yat and why should they not o noble soul salute you the original agent who are greater than or agent it sounds like fbi but <laughs> original doer the source of all action doer of all actions who are greater than even brahma O infinite being, O ruler of the gods, O abode of the world, you are the imperishable, the manifest and the unmanifest, and that which is beyond both. The commentator says, Hey Mahatman, Hey Ananta, so O, o, o great one, Ananta, O limitless one, Hey Devesha, O lord of the god of the gods, Hey Jagannivas, O abode of the worlds, abode of the worlds. What what beautiful language. Brahmano api gariyase gurutaraya. You are greater than Brahma. Adikatre. You are the first, the source of all activity in the universe. The, the first doer, the primary doer, primary doer. Brahmano api janakaya. Because you are the creator of Brahma. You, you know the iconography of Vishnu on his um, lying down on his primeval couch, the thousand headed serpent. And the lotus blooming in his navel and Brahma appearing there. So this uh, basically this shows the idea of how creation happens. Sat vyaktam, that which is manifest. Asad abhyaktam, that which is unmanifest. Tabhyam param, that which is beyond both the manifest and the unmanifest. Mulakaranam, the source of all. Yadaksharam Brahma, that, that Brahman which is akshara. Tachyatvameva, that also you are. For these reasons, why should they not praise you? For the, these reasons, that's why they all, the perfected beings, praise you. Gariyase. See, in the Indian tradition, Gariyase means um, superior to all, greater than all. Guru means teacher, uh, heavy, deep. So, 
In Indian tradition, we bow down to whom? The question is, why are they all bowing down to you? So whom do we bow down to? First is, of course, from whom we learn, whether it's spiritual knowledge or worldly knowledge, the guru, the teacher. Who else do we bow down to? We bow down to um, our parents, for example, grandparents, the source from which we have come in this worldly life itself. And who else do we bow down to? Somebody we consider to be superior. It could be somebody is older than us, somebody is um, uh, greater than us in knowledge or in virtue or some kind of greatness. So we bow down to these. Uh, and the greatest of all of them in all these ways, as the first of the gurus, who is the first guru who gives spiritual knowledge to all? Purvesham api guru, Patanjali Yoga Sutra says, of the greatest of gurus, the, the first guru, is God, Ishwara. So he is the guru of all the gurus, the source of all spiritual knowledge. Mundak Upanishad we are studying, so there it says, Sa Brahma Vidya Sarva Vidya Pratishtham Atharvaya Jeshta Putraya Praha Having created the universe, um, God gives this knowledge to Brahma and then Brahma transfers this knowledge to the great sages. So the guru of gurus, Therefore, Gariya say, who is greater than all. And, uh, and like our parents, grandparents, of all parents, grandparents, the source of everything in this universe, we come from that. Brahma actually is the creator of all, but he's the creator of Brahma. So, so Brahman, Brahman, Brahma and Brahma are two, two different, very close names. But Brahma is a god, a god, who comes and goes with every universe. But Brahman, Ishwara, Bhagawan, the god, with capital G. That never comes and goes. That is that's eternal. Then Brahmano api Adikatri. You are greater than Brahma because you are before Brahma. From you Brahma has come and you are the first doer. You are the, the source of all action. Ananta. You are not limited by time, space and uh, object. You are eternal. There was never a time when you were not. There will never will be a time when you will not be. Um, you are not limited by space. Wherever, wherever there is space, wherever there, there is something, there you are. You pervade everywhere. Which basically means time and space appear after you. You transcend time and space. Then object, whatever exists in the universe, material ob objects, living beings, sentient beings, Gods and demons and human beings and animals and plants, everything is pervaded by you. They do not exist apart from you. So they do not constitute a limit to you. Limit means I am up to here and then beyond this, this object starts. This object limits me because I am not it, this is not me. But God is not like that. No object in this universe limits God. They are all nothing but that divinity. Um, so that is ananta, limitless. You are limitless. Devesha. Devesha means Isha, Lord of all the gods. Normally it applies to the king of the gods, Indra. But here it means the gods with small g, they are all beings. They are all superior beings, but they are beings. They are not God with capital G. But you are that God with capital G. You are the Lord of all these other gods. Jagannivasa. What a beautiful word. Jagannivasa means you are the abode of the worlds. The entire universe resides in you. You are that from which the universe arises. You are that in which the universe resides. You are that into which the universe disappears finally. At the end of the, at the end of the universe. He said earlier, Loka Kshaya Pravridha. I come destroyer of worlds. If you literally translate it, 
I am the decay of the worlds. As the worlds spin down to nothing, nothingness, I am that. Um, it's like, from from what have the waves come? From the water in the ocean. Where do the waves exist? In the ocean. Where do they finally disappear? Back into the ocean. So this is the ocean of being, of existence, into from which the worlds have come, in which they exist, and into which they will disappear again. But it will never disappear. You are that abode of the worlds. Tuam aksharam. So this aksharam literally means the undecaying. That which never undergoes decay, never undergoes change. The permanent, the eternal, beyond time, space and causation. In the Mundaka Upanishad also it was said, when uh, the student asks the teacher, tell me that, teach me that by knowing which I'll know everything. And the teacher replied that there are two kinds of knowing. One is that knowledge by, by which you know everything all the, in, in the world. And that knowledge by which you know the akshara, the undecaying, the eternal. And that's the one thing by which, doing which you'll know everything here. So he says, you are that akshara. And then what else? Sadasat. You are the, so sat and asat. Literally if you translate it, it means the real and the unreal. Existing and non-existing. But in Advaita, there are different meanings in Advaita and Vishishta Advaita. In Advaita Vedanta, Sat means that which is with form. So all of these, what you can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, these are all Sat. And Asat means the formless. One of the Upanishads uses the term Murta, Murta, Murta Brahma, Murta Brahma. Murta with form, Amurta without form. So for example, here everything is physical. But then there is something which is subtle. Our own thoughts, feelings, nobody can see them. See, hear, smell, taste, touch, they will not come up in the um, most powerful fMRI scans. Whatever you get in the instrumental scans is um, murta, is it with form. But the first person experience we are all having, that is formless. Both formless and with form, you are. And you are that which is beyond both of them, param, which transcends them. You are the immanent and you are the transcendent. Vivekananda would say, we Hindus worship a transcendent immanent God. A God who is beyond time, space and causation, beyond the universe. But also in and through this universe. Here and everywhere. Now and all the time. In this and that and in everything. In Hindi, I'll tell you and then translate. Yaha or waha, ab or tab, yaha or wah. Jisme bhasta hai, spurata hai, aata or jata hai, wo brahma hai. Here and there, space. Now and then, then, now and then, time. This and that, object. That in which all of these appear, exist, shine and disappear. That is Brahman. What is that? That is being itself or consciousness itself. Consciousness in the sense of pure consciousness, not the relative consciousness which we are using right now. You are that, he says. And hence, why should they not praise you? That's why they are praising you. And he goes on, Arjuna. Tomadi Deva Purusha Purana. Tomadi Deva Purusha Purana. Tomasya Vishwasya Param Nidhanam. Tomasya Vishwasya Param Nidhanam. Vetta si vedyam chaparam chadhama. Vetta si vedyam chaparam chadhama. 
ತ್ವಯಾತತಂ ವಿಶ್ವಮನಂತರೂಪ ತ್ವಯಾತತಂ ವಿಶ್ವಮನಂತರೂಪ ಯು ಆರ್ ದ ಪ್ರಿಮೇಬಲ್ ಗಾಡ್ ದ ಏನ್ಷಿಯನ್ ಬೀಯಿಂಗ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ದ ಸುಪ್ರೀಮ್ ರಿಪಾಸಿಟರಿ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ದ ನೋವರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ನೋಯಬಲ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ಹೈಯೆಸ್ಟ್ ಅಬೌಟ್ ಓ ಯು ಆಫ್ ಇನ್ಫಿನಿಟ್ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಬೈ ಯು ಇಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಪರ್ವೇಡೆಡ್ ತ್ವಮಾದಿದೇವ ಯು ಆರ್ ದ ಬಿಗಿನಿಂಗ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಲ್ ದಿ ಗಾಡ್ಸ್ ಈವನ್ ದ ಗಾಡ್ಸ್ ಡು ನಾಟ್ ನೋ ಯುವರ್ ಸೋರ್ಸ್ ಬಟ್ ಯು ನೋ ದೆಮ್ ಆಲ್ ಪುರುಷ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ ಪುರುಷ ಇಸ್ ವೆರಿ ಏನ್ಷಿಯಂಟ್ ವರ್ಡ್ ಫಾರ್ ಡಿವಿನಿಟಿ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಮೇಲ್ ಆರ್ ಫಿಮೇಲ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಆಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಅಸ್ ಅವರ್ ರಿಯಲ್ ನೇಚರ್ ಇಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪುರುಷ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಪುರುಷ ಟೂ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಒನ್ ಇಸ್ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ ಪುರುಷ ದಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಫಿಲ್ಸ್ ಎವ್ರಿಥಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಆಲ್ ಟೈಮ್ ಸ್ಪೇಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಆಲ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣ್ ಅನದರ್ ಒನ್ ಇಸ್ ಪುರಿಶಾಯನಾಥ್ ದಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ರಿಸೈಡ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ಸಿಟಿ ಆಫ್ ನೈನ್ ಗೇಟ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಬಾಡಿ ಸೊ ದಿ ಇಂಡಿವಿಜುವಲ್ ಸೆಂಟಿಯನ್ ಬೀಯಿಂಗ್ ವಾಟ್ ವಿ ಟ್ರೂಲಿ ಆರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ರಿಯಾಲಿಟಿ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಪುರುಷ ಇನ್ ಒನ್ ವರ್ಡ್ ಬೋತ್ ಆರ್ ಮೆಂಟ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ದೆನ್ ಪುರಾಣ ಪುರಾಪಿ ನವ ದ ಏನ್ಷಿಯನ್ ಒನ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ಆಲ್ವೇಸ್ ನ್ಯೂ ಹೌ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಅನ್ ಏನ್ಷಿಯನ್ ಒನ್ ಬಿ ಆಲ್ವೇಸ್ ನ್ಯೂ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಕ್ಚುಲಿ ಬಿಯಾಂಡ್ ಟೈಮ್ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ದಟ್ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಇಟ್ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟೆಡ್ ಲಾಂಗ್ ಅಗೋ ಸೊ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ವೆರಿ ಓಲ್ಡ್ ಇಸ್ ಗಾಡ್ ವೆರಿ ಓಲ್ಡ್ ವೆಲ್ ಇನ್ ಅ ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಯೆಸ್ ಆಲ್ ದ ಟೈಮ್ ನ್ಯೂ ಸೊ ಗಾಡ್ ಇಸ್ ಆ್ಯಕ್ಚುಲಿ ಬಿಯಾಂಡ್ ಟೈಮ್ ಪುರಾಣ ದೆನ್ ತ್ವಮಸ್ಯ ವಿಶ್ವಸ್ಯ ಪರಂ ನಿಧಾನಂ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ಐಡಿಯಾ ವಿಚ್ ವಾಸ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕಸ್ಡ್ ಅರ್ಲಿಯರ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ದಿ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ದ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸೆಂಡೆಂಟ್ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸೆಂಡೆಂಟ್ ಇಮನೆಂಟ್ ಪರಂ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸೆಂಡೆಂಟ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸೆಂಡೆಂಟ್ ಇಮನೆಂಟ್ ಗ್ರೌಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ವಿಚ್ ದ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಅಪಿಯರ್ಸ್ ಎಕ್ಸಿಸ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಡಿಸಪಿಯರ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಯೆಟ್ ದಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಎಫೆಕ್ಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಸಿ ದಿಸ್ ವುಡ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಟೇಬಲ್ ದ ಟೇಬಲ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಕಮ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ವುಡ್ ಬಟ್ ಯು ಕಾಂಟ್ ಸೇ ದಟ್ ದ ವುಡ್ ಇಸ್ ಅನಫೆಕ್ಟೆಡ್ ಬೈ ವಾಟ್ ಯು ಡೂ ಟು ದ ಟೇಬಲ್ ಇಫ್ ಐ ಸ್ಕ್ರಾಚ್ ದ ಟೇಬಲ್ ದ ವುಡ್ ಈಸ್ ಸ್ಕ್ರಾಚ್ಡ್ ಬೇಸಿಕಲಿ ದ ವುಡ್ ದಟ್ ಐಮ್ ಸ್ಕ್ರಾಚಿಂಗ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಹರ್ಟ್ ದ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ಈಸ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಹರ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ ಒನ್ ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ನೋ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಇಸ್ ಟ್ರಾನ್ಸೆಂಡೆಂಟ್ ಬಿಯಾಂಡ್ ಆಲ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಬಿಯಾಂಡ್ ದ ಇಂಪ್ಯೂರಿಟೀಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ಗುಡ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ದಟ್ಸ್ ಅವರ್ ಸೇಫ್ಟಿ ವೇತ್ತಾಸಿ ವೇದ್ಯಂ ಚ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ದಟ್ ಬೈ ವಿಚ್ ಆಲ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಇಸ್ ಪಾಸಿಬಲ್ ಯು ಆರ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ವೇತ್ತ ದ ನೋವರ್ ವಾಟ್ ಈಸ್ ದ ನೋವರ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ಆಲ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ ಬೀಯಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ದ ನೋವರ್ ನೋ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಓನ್ಲಿ ಒನ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೇಜ್ ಇನ್ ದರ್ಟೀನ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ ಯು ವಿಲ್ ಸೇ ಐ ಆಮ್ ದ ಒನ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ಇನ್ ಆಲ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ ಬೀಯಿಂಗ್ಸ್ ಕ್ಷೇತ್ರಜ್ಞಂ ಚಾಪಿ ಮಾಂ ವಿದ್ಯ ಸರ್ವಕ್ಷೇತ್ರು ಭಾರತ ಐಮ್ ದ ಒನ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ಇನ್ ಆಲ್ ಐಮ್ ದ ಒನ್ ನೋವರ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಫೀಲ್ಡ್ ಇನ್ ಆಲ್ ಫೀಲ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ಐ ಆಮ್ ದ ನೋವರ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ ನೋವರ್ಸ್ ನೋ ವಿ ಆರ್ ವಿ ಆರ್ ಆಲ್ ನೋವರ್ಸ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದಟ್ ಒನ್ ಕಾನ್ಷಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ಐಮ್ ದ ನೋಯಬಲ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಸಿ ಹಿಯರ್ ಸ್ಮೆಲ್ ಟೇಸ್ಟ್ ಟಚ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ಯು ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಲರ್ನ್ ಇನ್ ಸೈನ್ಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ರಿಲಿಜನ್ ವಾಟ್ ಎವರ್ ಇಸ್ ದೇರ್ ಇಸ್ ಟು ನೋ ಐ ಆಮ್ ದಟ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ಆರ್ ಅರ್ಜುನ್ ಇಸ್ ಸೇಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಯು ಆರ್ ದಟ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ದ ನೋವರ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ದ ನೋಯಬಲ್
lifetimes. All Indian religions share this. All schools of Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism. So we are being whirled around. And until you find God, until you realize your true nature, this suffering will go on. This limited existence. You are that by realizing which we are freed. So what is called moksha, freedom, mukti, freedom, nirvana, kaivalya, apavarga. Many, many ancient words in Indian um, thought. That was the project of the ancient Indians. It has been the project of India all throughout the ages. The ultimate purpose of all of this. Is there a purpose? Can we attain it? And have people actually attained it? And the answer to all of them is yes, yes and yes. Where is this amazing being? Tvaya tatam idam vishwam. You are here. You pervade this idam. Idam vishwam. This world which we are inhabiting. This awful world. Krishna, Arjuna says this world of the, the, the battlefield. You are right here before me. In this battlefield. This most awful place. You are right here. You pervade everything here. I don't, we don't see it. Everybody sees all the other people. They are seeing soldiers and chariots and elephants and horses. Sky and the earth. The battlefield. But Arjuna, thanks to the divine insight, sees the whole thing permeated by God. How are you permeating everything? Ananta Rupa, in limitless forms. In all these soldiers, in all these chariots and elephants and horses, in all the earth and the sky, everything, every dust of uh, particle of dust in this battlefield, you permeate everything. You are appearing as all of these. What a vision! Number 39. Vayuryamo Agnir Varuna Shashanka Vayuryamo Agnir Varuna Shashanka Prajapatistvam Prapita Mahascha Prajapatistvam Prapita Mahascha Namo Namastistu Sahasrakritva Namo namaste stu sahasra kritva Punascha bhuyo pi namo namaste Punascha bhuyo pi namo namaste You are the wind god. So you are all the gods, the gods which are the, you know, in Indian, um, in Hinduism, and also Buddhism, Jainism, they find their place. So these minor deities, all of them, you are all of them. You are the wind god, the death god, god of death, fire, the sea god, the moon, Prajapati, that is Brahma, and also the great grandsire. You are the, so you are the great grandfather of the universe. Salutations, a thousandfold salutation to you. Salutations again and again to you. Salutations. Number 40. So, very, he is in an ecstatic mood. Number 40. Nama Purastadatha Prishtataste Nama Purastadatha Prishtataste Namostute Sarvataeva Sarva Namostute Sarvataeva Sarva Ananta Virya Mitavikramastvam Ananta Virya Mitavikramastvam Sarvam Samapno Shitatosi Sarva Sarvam samapno shitatosi sarvaha O all, salutations in front and from behind, salutations to you all around, 
You are of infinite prowess, of immeasurable valor. You pervade everything and so you are everything. Namah Purastat, Prishtadaste, in front and in the back and all around, Sarvata, surrounding me up and down in all the directions. This one divinity. And of what power? Limitless power. And limitless prowess and valor. Um, this valor reminds me in another minor <laughs> tone. There was this monk in, uh, in Haridwar. He was known as Bhikshu Shankarananda. A very interesting monk. I never saw him, but one of our monks saw him and I wrote a little bit about him. I read that. So he was a strict non-dualist and he had no possessions whatsoever. Didn't even have a cottage. He lived under a tree on, you know what a charpoy is? Uh, like a cot made of uh, wood and fiber. So he lived on that. And he, had, uh, he just had his loincloth and he lived there. But he was regarded as a very great monk and a lot of people came to meet him and take his blessings and his advice. And he was a strict non-dualist. So, I'll tell you in Hindi what he would say then translate. Ye mere gunda thakur hai. My, my lord is, only how do you translate? Gunda is a, is a thug? He's <laughs> a thug. Uh, he does what he wants. This entire universe. This is limitless. There is no limit to, to what that Lord will do. But thug in, a, in an endearing way. He's like the lo local hoodlum. <laughs> the local strong arm man. So he, he, he does what he wants. Somebody asked him that, Swami, you are a non-dualist, you know, Advaitin. Where are your books? The non-dualists are supposed to have lots of books. Yeah, they're always reading books and arguing and all. He had no books at all. Where are your books? Don't you read books? And this, the monk said, Oh, I do. I have three books and I read them every day. They are called Waking, Dreaming and Deep Sleep. <laughs> I read them every day and, and find the Lord. The one Lord, this thug who, <laughs> uh, who limitlessly, without any limit, what that there is no limit in space, time, or in action. What the Lord can do or cannot do, there is no limit. Amitavikram of of unlimited power and valor. You pervade all. You are all. Then uh, next. Now he asks for forgiveness. Forty-one and forty-two together. Saketi matva prasabham yaduktam. Saketi matva prasabham yaduktam. He Krishna, he yadava, he saketi. He Krishna, he yadava, he saketi. Ajanata mahimanam tavedam. Anam tavedam Maya pramadat pranaye navapi Maya pramadat pranaye navapi Yacha vahasatham asat kritosi Yacha vahasatham asat kritosi Vihara shayya sanabhojaneshu 
विहारशय्यासन भोजनेशु एकोथवाप्यच्युत तत्सम एकोथवाप्यच्युत तत्सम तत्मे तामहमेय तत्मे तामहमेय सो अर्जुन से सडनली इज ओवरवेलम्ड बाय द रियलाइजेशन दैट कृष्णा हु इज सो डियर टू मी माई फ्रेंड विथ हूम आई जस्ट बिहेव लाइक इज माई बडी यू नो अ वेरी डियर फ्रेंड बट नाउ आई रियलाइज हु और वॉट ही इज whatever i not knowing the greatness and this form of yours may have said to you importunately or impertinently out of ignorance or of affection addressing you as o krishna o yadava o friend regarding you as my friend and in whatever way you have been slighted out of fun at sport relaxing on in bed on the seat or while eating either alone or in company all that o achyuta i entreat you the incomprehensible one to forgive so the commentator says tava mahimanam idam this extraordinary glory of yours vishwarupam the cosmic form ajanatamaya not being known by me i the one who did not know pramadat in by mistake pranayena out of affection out of affection snehena out of love yaduktam whatever i have said or done please forgive me tat sarvam aparadha jatam the entire mass of offenses committed by me twam apreya aprameyam you who are incomprehensibly far beyond our knowledge achintya prabhavam kshamaye kshamam karayami so i i i pray to you to persuade you to forgive me this is another theme in bhakti you will notice you're overwhelmed first of all scared then overjoyed this is extraordinary then you become aware of your oh my god what have i done then you immediately are full of repentance and and uh, uh, seeking forgiveness you one becomes aware of one's smallness one's pettiness one li- one's littleness in front of this extraordinary vastness one immediately becomes um repentant here arjun of course out of friendship that also is repentant but we may have committed offenses in many many ways in many ways so this is another movement in the heart of a lover of god a bhakta who feels suddenly overwhelmed by repentance over a uh, kind of um, kind of spiritual shame let us say in front of this greatness and asks for forgiveness in many of the mantras in pujas at the end of the puja there will be a hymn asking for forgiveness of the lord then number 43 गुरुर्गरीयान् 
You are the father of this world of moving and unmoving things. You are adorable and the teacher greater than any other superior. There is none indeed equal to you in all the three worlds. How then could there be one greater than you, O you of unrivaled power? There's an e- interesting point here. He is addressed as Apratima, for which there can be no symbol. There can be no equal. There can be nothing resembling God. Uh, the commentator here says, Navidyate Pratima Upama Yasya So Apratima was no comparison who has no nothing you can um, represent God by, but that God is like this. See, this was the crux of the issue of idolatry in uh, all the Abrahamic religions, the initial insight of Moses and the insight of that God is one and nothing should be compared to God, unique, one and unique. So you should not worship anything as God, in anything as God. It could be an actual physical idol uh, or a picture or it could be something like money, anything worldly, for example, money. It wouldn't put anything in the place of God. And in Islam, it becomes a huge offense. That's the whole issue about, you know, why do people get mad if uh, you worship God in an image or in some particular form? It's basically this thing. The whole Islamic concept of kufr, that means kafir, the word kafir comes, those who uh, offend against God by trying to worship God in an, uh, a, something else as God. Not God, but something else as God. It's this basically, basically this idea. Number 44. Tasmat pranamya pranidhaya kayam Tasmat pranamya pranidhaya kayam Prasadaitvam uh, Prasadaitvam um, Tvam ahamishamidyam Prasadaitvam ahamishamidyam Piteva putrasya sakheva sakhyu Piteva putrasya sakheva sakhyu Priya priyayar hasideva surhum Priya priyayar hasideva surhum Therefore, prostrating the body and bowing down to you, I entreat you, the adorable Lord, to be gracious, just as a father forgives his son, a friend his friend, and a lover his beloved, to please her. Even so, you should forgive me, O Lord. So he's giving some beautiful examples. Like parents forgive their children. You you should forgive me. Like a friend uh, who really loves you, forgives you. Or like a beloved who uh, like a lover forgives his beloved in that way you should forgive me 45 adrishta purvam rishitosmi drishtva adrishta purvam rishitosmi drishtva bhayena cha pravyatitam manome bhayena cha pravyatitam manome tadeva me darshaya deva rupam Tadeva me darshaya dreva rupam Prasida devesha jagannivasa 
proceed a devesha jagannivasa o lord seeing what has never been seen before i am overjoyed but my mind is extremely agitated through fear show me that very old form o god of gods o abode of the universe be gracious now another movement see he wanted to see this this form which he is seeing but it scared him it terrified him and he can't bear it anymore now he's saying reverse take it back i can't bear it anymore show me your old human form again i want to see you as i always saw you so this is the next movement number 46 kiritinam gadinam chakrahastam kiritinam gadinam chakrahastam ichchami tvam drashtum aham tathaiva ichchami tvam drashtum aham tathaiva tenaiva rupena chaturbhujena tenaiva rupena chaturbhujena sahasrabaho bhavavishvamurte sahasrabaho bhavavishvamurte i would like to see you as before with diadem bearing a mace and disc in your hands assume that very form with four arms or thousand armed one o you of universal form i'm skipping over this but any close reader will immediately say just a minute did he see, arjuna always saw krishna with four arms <laughs> so that's a divine form right and that's a mystery in the gita nobody has been adequately able to explain because <laughs> all the pictures you see krishna with two arms look like any other human being so what does he mean uh, i want to see you as before with four arms or thousand arm thousand arm one is fine that we are seeing that but what does that mean um we'll stop here because then krishna will respond he will reassume he assume his old human form that awesome vision will disappear forever from arjuna and uh, then towards the ve- the very end of this uh, chapter he will give a very profound instruction on devotion love of god which will be a segue into the 12th chapter which is called bhakti yoga the yoga of love remember the section we are reading now bhagavad gita has 18 chapters and it can be divided it has been divided by some acharyas into three sections of six chapters each chapters 1 to 6 7 to 12 and then uh, from 13 to 18 on what basis um the great saying that thou art tatvamasi you are that so the first six chapters is an analysis of you what we are the next six chapters from chapter 7 to 12 is god that and then the next six chapters from 13 to 18 is the realization of this identity the practices and the final realization of that again very broad kind of division but there's some truth to it you will notice the first six chapters were mostly meditation i am the atman all of that karma yoga for purification so and so forth although there were other things also incarnation of god avatar also was declared there and so on but the these these chapters which you have been studying from 7th onwards are mostly devotional and here this is very devotional what he's arjun is saying now and the 12th chapter will be the acme of it the, the chapter on the yoga of devotion yoga of love so we are almost about to enter that 12th chapter uh, which is where krishna teaches how how to love god the path of yoga no bhakti yoga if there's any question any observation otherwise we'll wrap it up all right michael thank you so much
for just a minute. He's going to give you a microphone. Thank you, Swamiji. You mentioned earlier that one should focus on God and not the world. Mm. Um, but once you start realizing that all is Brahman, yes. that the world and God is kind of just one, uh, what are your thoughts on then engaging with the world with those eyes? Yes, so that would be the goal, actually. That's what Krishna is actually teaching Arjuna. If you say, just focus on God, turn away from the world. Arjuna will say, that's what I'm trying to say. I want to do that. You're not letting me do it. You keep telling me, fight this battle. So the, then the higher teaching is, if you still think that you have turned away from God, and you are facing uh, turned away from the world and you're facing God, then your idea of God is a little limited. Because that's not God. This is God. But initially one must do something like that. Uh, one must focus. And that focus on God, whether it's in devotion or in meditation, even in service. See, the idea of karma yoga is actually turning away from worldly pursuits, worldly goals in work and pursuit towards uh, spirituality in work. It, it's subtle because you're still doing the same thing. He's the same uh, warrior fighting the same bad guys, but his attitude has completely changed. What's the worldly attitude? Good worldly attitude. The people who have come to that battlefield have come for worldly reasons. The bad guys have come for bad reasons and the good guys have come for good reasons, but both are worldly reasons. The bad worldly reasons are, I want to snatch away the kingdom and I want to wipe you out. And, uh, it's a battle for power and wealth and all that. The bad guys, the Kauravas. The good guys, the Pandavas, they are here on the side of dharma, on righteousness. They are doing their duty you know, to punish the evil, make sure that morality wins and all of that. Still, the goal is, the kingdom which is rightfully ours, we'll, we'll uh, take that. And we'll punish the evildoers, the criminals. But that's also a worldly goal. And at one point, you might tire of it. You might say, I don't want it. I, I, don't you want to be rich and successful and powerful and rule this kingdom? No. And I see the cost at which it is coming. Let them have it. I don't care. Uh, so that attitude may come. And what do you want? Krishna teaches him Vedanta, that this body and mind, are, it's not your real nature. There is a spiritual nature. To realize that spiritual nature is the goal. God does exist. So that's the goal. God realization, self-realization, whatever you call it, that's the goal. Even then one might think, good, I fully, I'll sign up for that. I am not going to do this thing. But then what is that God? Then you realize that God is here too. Whatever you thought was the world is that same divinity. And then one, one major road of spiritual practice would be to engage with the world. With, but your goal now is God realization. So in one sense you have actually turned away from the world without actually physically turning away from it. You're no longer pursuing the same goals which other people around you are pursuing, doing the same work. It can be difficult, but um, uh, yeah, that's the point. I remember um, in the Himalayas, which is full of monks, who for good or bad reasons have literally turned away from society. And they live there like hermits. I mean, not like hermits, as hermits. They are hermits. So one monk who was a good for nothing. I mean, he wasn't doing much spiritual practice. He's just a kind of, um, there are many, many search of, a vagabond basically, but wearing the Geruayan. And he was unhappy. See, that doesn't lead to happiness. That's the interesting thing. He was unhappy. So he asked me for advice. 
And then he asked me, the reason he got some faith in me and some respect for me was when he asked me, so you are in the Ramakrishna mission, what do you do? I said, there's this college, so you teach there. I was actually the principal of the college. I said, I am the principal of the college. Now for him it was stunning. Here is this monk just like me who is wandering in the mountains and begging for his food and uh, basically a beggar. But he's the principal of a college. And then he said, how much do they pay you? <laughs> I said, nothing. It's, it's our service. It's our worship. It's our karma yoga. And if you know anything about the Ramakrishna order, and there's the funny part of it. Um, he said, he hugged me and said, I'll tell you in Hindi and then translate. <laughs> What's there to hide from me? Tell me. Why don't you tell me? Just tell me. And he hugged me. And then I said, but it's true. You ask anybody. Um, all the work that we do, whatever we do. We may be the head of a college. We may be you know, um, teaching students, running a hospital. Whatever we are doing. We, don't, we are not doing it for money at all. But that opened his eyes. So he got some respect. And he started asking me, what do I do? And and I told him, but didn't work. See, if unless there's an initial course of discipline from the very beginning, which one becomes um, habituated to that, you know, I'm not involved with the world, and I don't have any particular desire to do any spiritual practice also. A kind of a useless uh, uh, wanderer. A, a laziness creeps into the, into the mind. So that's not at all good. That is tamasic. That's not uh, sattvic. I told him, why don't there's a, there are classes on Vedanta? Why don't you come and sit and listen to the classes on Vedanta? There was a class on the Ashtavakra which was going on, which I used to attend. So in the next day, he turned up, that monk, and he sat in a place where I could see him, made sure that I saw that he, uh, he was following my advice. But I noticed throughout the class, he was like this, you know, he was looking around and, you know, sort of playing around with his cloth and. Uh, you know, like his uh, feet, feet were shaking. We're sitting on, on the ground and looking around that way. If you, if you have not studied, if you have not done any spiritual practice, straight away you start listening to Ashtavakra. Very soon it will make no sense at all. <laughs> What's going on here? He came once, he came twice. Third time he didn't come and didn't even come to meet me. That's sad though. That's sad. So spiritualize your work. Our work right here. Whatever you're doing. No longer for worldly goals. For the highest goal of God realization. But the same work. You can teach kids. You can be a filmmaker. You can uh, do whatever you're doing. As long as it's not outright unethical. I remember this person. Uh, many years ago I met him. He was uh, a very high position. Like a managing director or something. In Johnson & Johnson Medical Products. So he said, look, I'm not a monk. Nor am I really a spiritual seeker. But my, I read Vivekananda every day. And he graduated from a top B school in India, business school. And then he got a job in a, a premier liquor company. And he was doing very well. And daily he said, I was to sit and read Vivekananda. One day it struck me, I can't do both. Either I have to stop reading Vivekananda or I have to change this job. <laughs> because I, it struck me very clearly. The entire, all my efforts... All day long, all my intelligence, hard work and passion is for making as many people drunk as much of the time as possible. <laughs> I said, I can't do that. And yet I don't want to become a monk. I don't want to uh, give up the world. I still want to be successful in this world. What do I do? And then he said, so let me use my talent and my energy and my intelligence for 
some product which is at least useful to society somewhere. And so he changed his jobs and he got a very good job elsewhere. But this is, see, how it affects. Uh, in the same, uh, this, this worldly sphere itself. But pick up some activity and move higher. Go from where we are to something better. Yes. Can you pass down that microphone? Uh, when Arjuna uses the words aksharam and param, like beyond form and formless, does it mean that he got the advaitic realization? Actually, no. Uh, those words have been used by Krishna himself earlier. He is repeating back to Krishna what he has. So he has understood it, at least he has understood this. And he has this tremendous insight into uh, what God is because he had this tremendous experience. But he's not a fully enlightened person. Otherwise, the next few chapters don't make any sense at all. I mentioned that uh, in a Gita class uh, we were studying at the Harvard Divinity School and the professor said, why is there a 12th chapter? This 11th chapter is mind-blowing. This is the climax of the whole book. One of the most, he says, one of the most anticlimactic movements in world literature is the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Why at all does it exist? But if you look at the, the commentar commentators, the ancient and medieval commentators of the Bhagavad Gita, none of them seem to give much importance to the 11th chapter. They smoothly move on to the 12th chapter and discuss it very, very thoroughly. So this was an amazing experience which Arjuna had. But from an Advaitic perspective, he has to realize that I am Brahman. He had this wonderful vision. But now further. He has to do spiritual practices. Also another thing. This he got by the special gay grace of Krishna. It's not his own. When he says the perfected beings are praising you all the time. The perfected beings have made it their own. That's the level of their existence. This is not the level of Arjuna's existence. Otherwise it wouldn't have gone away. It was, it, he, got it, he didn't get it by his own effort. By the grace of God. And, and it also was withdrawn from him. And this you see actually in our day and time. Sri Ramakrishna's disciples. All of them got extraordinary visions and experiences by His grace. Now it was seen after the passing of Sri Ramakrishna, some of them, especially the monastic disciples and some of the householder disciples, um, like Master Mahashaya, like Nag Mahashaya, a few of them, they, they went on practicing spiritual disciplines intensively. Meditation, prayer, austerities, this one-pointed, literally turning away from the world in the pursuit of God. And they were asked, I know at least Swami Brahmananda and Swami Shivananda, they were asked when they were meditating in mountains and forests, wandering unknown as begging monks and spending hours and days and weeks in study, meditation. What are you trying to do? Sri Ramakrishna, I understand what all the other monks are trying to do, but Sri Ramakrishna has already given you these experiences. And both of them answered, Brahmananda and Shivananda, I know this is recorded, both of them answered, what he has given us, we are trying to make it our own. Suppose you don't. Suppose you don't try to make it your own. What will happen? All the other disciples who did not, those who did not try in that way, and they're all spiritually elevated people, but there were some who did not try. They got these experiences. They were devoted. Sri Ramakrishna passed on. And that's it. They went back to their um, families, their work, and life went on. What happened to them? There's a big difference. Their lives and the lives of a, a few of the householder disciples, some of the women, Gulapma, uh, then, um, then Gopalirma, Gopalirma especially, um, and these monastic disciples, then uh, 
Girish Ghosh in his own way, unique way. Uh, but also Master Mahasaya who wrote the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, Nag Mahasaya, very uh, sublime, elevated householder disciple. They remained focused on God. They became perfected beings. They radiated, they found, I mean, they became established in that God realization. The others, they were holy people. But they also, all of them went through uh, lots of ups and downs in samsara. You know, um, financial problems, health problems, maybe the illness and death of children, a lot of, lot of ups and downs. Whatever happens in samsara also happened to them and they suffered. Neither will, were they able to become like sources of spiritual comfort and light for others, nor were they able to. They did, because of the blessings of Sri Ramakrishna, they were able to struggle, but not to the extent which you would have, uh, you know, which the others did. Then what was the use of their having these experiences? The use is at the end, at the finally at the point of death, they all attained liberation. Even there, Sri Ramakrishna says, if anybody had a strong worldly desire, they'll have to come back again. Yeah. All right. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ramakrishna Rupanamastur